welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. Um, I am Young Ari Gold, a.k.a. James, um, in this conversation. Uh, We're going to be having a conversation with four Texans fans that all have different perspectives and opinions on the team. I have a list of questions that I want to ask each individual uh, and just kind of show kind of where everybody is on the Texans and really that we all want the same outcome. So um, we're going to go through and introduce everybody. um, And Swan, I'll kick it off to you to introduce who you are and your Twitter handle. And then uh, you'll kick it to Greg. And then Greg, you'll kick it to Joe. And Joe, you'll kick it to Jules. Go ahead, Swan. Hi. Uh, I go by Black Sunday Texan, but most people call me Swan. And we had a Twitter handle that was Black Swan. Gregory. Uh, my name is Greg Joseph. My Twitter handle is ishgreg72. That's I-T-S-G-R-E-G-72. I guess Joe is next. <clears throat> Mine's uh, at J- uh, JoeM709. And uh, <clears throat> my name's Joe. And, uh, I'm Jules. I go by JeffBear80 on Twitter. And so many people are uh, jealous of your uh, your your handle, too. It, it's uh, It's pretty awesome. Um, all right. So, like I said, I wanted to uh, go through some questions with you guys and just kind of get the different perspectives that everybody has. Everybody on this uh, on this call is a Texans fan. Uh, we're not here to question a person's fandom, how much more of a fan they are. Uh, it really doesn't matter. That's not what we're here to do. We're just here to show the different perspectives and opinions so that we can kind of show the difference between everybody and what they think and show the value or show that they all want really the same outcome. So I'm going to start with you, Swan. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven questions. Uh, it looks like somebody added one more. Um, so that's up. That's my bad that you guys don't know about. So you guys will be caught off guard. But Swan, I'm going to start with you. What were your thoughts on the way the Texans season ended in 2019? Is this FCC regulated or not? You do you. Okay. I was pissed off. I was angry. Embarrassed. I went numb. Um, I, as y'all know, I tend to drink a little alcohol. I went from being on a absolute high, and within a matter of a quarter and a half, I crashed. I felt like something, someone died, and I didn't know what to do. I was, I can't even put in words what I felt at that moment. I wanted everybody fired, including O'Brien. I've been an O'Brien defender, but yeah. Okay. Gregory, what were... Uh, what were your thoughts on the way the Texans season in two, ended in 2019? Yeah, it was disappointing. And not mentioned the, you know, the 24 lead that we blew. But it did feel, it felt like, yet again, another opportunity blown. And this was huge because we just see, I think, it's like the same, the same playoffs. Baltimore got knocked out. New England got knocked out. You get past Kansas City and Tennessee is there waiting. That's a golden opportunity to do something that's never been done before. 
So it just it just felt it just felt really kind of bad. Just, just defeated. I guess the same thing. Defeat defeated attitude. Like like I'm with Swan. Everybody got to go. I don't care. And the fans got to go too. The whole new fan base. We, everybody got to go. That was the feeling. All right, all right, Joe. Um, what were your thoughts and how did you feel uh, regarding the way that the Texan season ended in 2019? And you're on mute. More well, my initial thoughts, like when the game finished, I was devoid. Like, I didn't have no emotions about it. I was pissed, but I was really, really angry because I felt like it was another failure. And this is something that I've lived through my entire life in, in terms of my foot, you know, my football fandom. I mean, it just didn't start with the Texans. It's like from the Oilers let down to now. So it's just like a continuation. So that that's where a lot of my anger comes from because it's just like here we go again. It's like when that when that angle on that kickoff happened, when that, they had that forward facing angle, I was like something bad's gonna happen, and the ball popped out, and I was like, man, here we go, it's on. Yeah, no, and then I'm going to just take a shot at you because I like to, and then you also had your Rockets continuously let you down. All right, Jules, um, <laughs> uh, on to you. <laughs> um, how, did you uh, how did you feel about the way that the Texan season ended in 2019? Joe, keep that thing on mute. <laughs> I thought it was fitting. Oh. It represented the, the season as a, as a whole, especially towards the last eight games. The offense couldn't do much. It wasn't a much um, – the team wasn't very controlled or very coached very well or even just – it just didn't seem like they, they had it all figured out. With, with a couple of duds in Tampa Bay and Denver, and I really don't believe they should have won a Buffalo game. If it wasn't for a, a, a miraculous play by, by Watson and Tywan Jones, who probably shouldn't probably have been in the game in the first place, that play, they don't get past Buffalo. So, as much as I was disappointed and mad, I thought it was fitting because they they didn't they didn't deserve to win that game the way they played the last two quarters of it. And that looked just, and they just they played like it was like their season was the first the first couple games they were hot, they were scoring, they were doing all this. Then the last half of the season, they didn't look. Like they was a complete team, so mm-hmm. to me it was kind of it, it similar to the team, the team in the season. Okay, all right, uh, Joe, don't worry, I'll, you can get me back next time you're unmuted. Um, I'm going to ask one more question that I didn't have on the list, and I just want a one-word answer. Swan, if you were to point at one thing about the team, given the collapse of the uh, Kansas City game in the divisional round, who would you put the blame on? Ultimately, I have to put on Brian. Okay. Okay. Greg, how about for you? If you were to put the blame, whether it be defense or offense or O'Brien or play calling, if you were to pick one one thing that you felt was most responsible for the, the way that we lost in Kansas City, what would that be? It's hard for the one word. It's hard to blame one people, but I guess if I had to get the biggest piece of blame, I had to be defense. Okay. Joe, uh, if you were to blame... You know, one one thing specifically, whether it be defense, coaching, play calling, uh, quarterback play, whatever. Uh, what would you What would you say was the biggest reason for the loss in Kansas City? 
Joe. All right, we'll come back to Joe. Uh, Jules, go ahead. Um, the GM. Okay. Okay, so Bill O'Brien? No. No, just the, like the actual the, roster, the, uh, the like the building of the roster. The, the, the difference between having no GM, an intern GM, and a place GM for the roster, you, you're correct. After okay. the GM is the biggest problem to me. Okay, okay. So personnel. Uh, Joe, if you were to uh, put the blame on one specific area um, of the Texans lost in the divisional round to the Kansas City Chiefs, who or what would it be? You know how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the coach. And my problem doesn't lie with him as a head coach. My problem lies with him as a play caller. Mm-hmm. Like, just he's just – he's not the worst. He's not the best. He's kind of in the middle, and that doesn't win you championships. And I think that he just – he kind of – you know, he kind of wets himself when he's when he's when he's when, he, when it's crunch time. He just doesn't he doesn't answer. You know, he doesn't answer the call. Okay, all right. Swan, when you saw the news that the Texans added David Johnson, what were your thoughts on the addition prior to knowing what was given up to get him? I was actually excited. Um, I thought it was a great addition. The fact that him and Duke Johnson are similar in the sense they're very good uh, receiving backs, I thought that that would help because now the defense couldn't really focus on, well, if when Hyde was on the team, well, we know it's running versus when Duke is leading, you know, he could pack, I mean, he could be a receiver. Now you really have to focus on both of them. So I was very excited. Okay. Gregory, uh, before uh, when the Texans landed David Johnson prior to um, – Knowing what was given up to get him, what were your initial thoughts about adding David Johnson to this team? So for like the first maybe minute and a half, I was excited. And, uh, you know, cause like, like Swan said, dynamic back when he's fully healthy, him and Duke Johnson, just multiple weapons for Watson. At the same time, I recognized that his contract was still large for running back. So now I'm thinking, okay, who in the hell would Texas going to give up? To get him, and before we realized the the final conversation, we spent the whole enti- I spent the whole entire morning arguing with other people about the whole Peter King DeAndre Hopkins getting traded bit. That was before we realized, oh dear. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but initially I was excited, but extremely cautious because with a big country like that, you had to give us something yeah. or somebody. Yeah. All right, Joe, what were your initial thoughts on the addition of David Johnson prior to knowing what was given up to get him? Uh, I really didn't have – I wasn't excited, nor was I, like, you know, feel real bad about mm-hmm. it or anything. Yeah. Just, I was like, yeah, he, he, you know, if he could contribute – because of the Carlos Hyde situation, I thought if they can bring him in, he could be productive. Uh, you know, you probably get a good back out of him, but – uh when I saw the DeAndre Hopkins trade, that's what I was like, "Oh man, this is this is nuts." Yeah, but um, I'm still kind of neutral about the whole thing. Okay, yeah. okay, Jules, before you uh, before you realized what was given up to get David Johnson, what were your initial thoughts on the addition of him on the team? 
bad. I didn't understand the move. Um, you knew about his contract. You knew that the cat hadn't played well in two, maybe two, three years. Given 2018, he had a decent year, but he was never the, the back he was in 2016, 2017. And then the fact that uh, Drake pretty much took his spot, what were, what, what, what were you adding for this, for, for this player to our team? And the amount of money that you're paying for a – hopefully he can regain his superstar status for one season. And that's what people don't realize. He only had really one great season where he was a more of a fancy football star than actually a football star, all pro. So I didn't, I didn't understand it and I didn't like it. Okay. Um, Swan, what was your reaction to the DeAndre Hopkins trade? Um, I immediately went on a rant on Twitter. I wanted O'Brien fired. I thought it was stupid. It was that simple. Okay. Greg, what were your thoughts on the DeAndre Hopkins trade? Yeah, I was, for one, I was confused on a lot of friends. Like, the, the fact that you even pulled it out was like, whoa, on a second. But there was that. There was the idea that you trade a receiver for a running back, which is unheard of. That was confusing, but understand the college high level and everything else. But even still with that, normally you draft a running back and keep it pushing. So that that's why I was confused. Also, I felt embarrassed, too, because, like, like I said, literally before the conversation came out, we, I was in argument with other people, like, why would they trade Hopkins if they don't have a plan in place for them leaving? Because we knew at some point that was going to be a conversation with Tonso country coming up, the Washington country coming up, with other guys like Cunningham coming up. You you kind of figure someone has to be a man, odd man out. So it was a lot of confusion slash embarrassment slash just a lot of anger. Also because we always had that star receiver with no quarterback. Now we finally get both. And now the receiver has to leave. And so it was, like, it was just like, that was my initial reaction to everything. Obviously, my personal calmed down afterwards, but from that first, I'd say six hours, yeah, it was it was not good. Okay, Joe, what was your initial reaction to the DeAndre Hopkins trade? I hated it. <clears throat> I thought it was terrible. I thought, I thought um, it was a bad trade. I, I just, I, I, I absolutely hated it. But, and I think you know, James, like. Um, once they once they picked up Cooks, my opinion changed because I, I just Hop's a, Hop's a great receiver, but Hop's a great receiver, but I, I think there's got to be some um, uh, Texan fans. You know, we tend to we tend to overvalue our own players. It was like we lost Prime Rice or something, and I was like, I just never saw Hop as someone like that. I actually think Cooks is. Uh, is just as good as a receiver. I know people will laugh at me and, and think I'm crazy, but he's never been targeted as much. And if you extrapolate his numbers, he'd blow DeAndre out the water. And, you know, in yards per catch and in, in, uh, in yards, touchdowns, um, he's just never been targeted as much in any system. You know, but like I said, my initial reaction was I hated it. But once they made the moves to kind of, um, you know, once they, once they picked up Cook, and they picked up Cobb, I, I started realizing what the plan was. You know, you can't just depend on one receiver. You got to spread the wealth around. You got to have options. So now I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. 
Jules, what was your initial reaction to the DeAndre Hopkins trade? My initial reaction was I wanted Bill O'Brien's address. I wanted to burn his house down. I wanted to go to Kirby. I wanted to burn Kirby down because I just didn't understand why would you trade Hopkins and knowing that Fuller was your backup, your backup number one, your backup number one, and the fact that Hopkins arguably was the was was the number one Texan in the last six seven years, because if you go by and look at what he's done for the last six years, when Watt was hurt, when he was he was quarterback proof, didn't matter what quarterback you had, he was going to give you eighty ninety a hundred catches. He will give you his all. He 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 bled the the Texans, and for for the oh, Bill O'Brien and Cal McNair to sign off on it, it hurt it hurt me deeply because he was our Texan guy. Because Watson was trying to figure out who he was, Watt was hurt a bunch of times through his career. Clowney was up and down. We had nobody but Hopkins to represent Texans, whoever gave us even acknowledgement that we actually existed his whole career. So for me, it was really, really hurt and really disappointed that we let it get this far for him to be traded. And there was rumors two days prior to that that they were actually trying to trade him. And we took Twitter and Facebook all that. We just couldn't fathom it. And when it actually got pulled off, I, 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 a part of me almost died. And that's how I truly felt. Okay. All right. Swan. If Brandon Cooks was added in the DeAndre Hopkins trade, and the like, the day like during all of it with David Johnson and Brandon Cooks and the 40th pick overall, would you have felt better about the departure of DeAndre if it happened at the same time? Yes, I would have. Okay. Um, the reason being is we have a little bit more information on the reasons for the trade and so forth. So I'm okay with the trade. I didn't know a lot of information beforehand. But the only issue I have with the trade is the value. So, yes, if Brandon Cooks was part of that trade with David Johnson, it would have went down better. That's the best way to put it. I could swallow it better. Or if you threw another pick in there, a third or a second, I would have felt better. And I just want to add a little bit more back to the the reaction part we was talking about. I handled it better because I understood that it wasn't just O'Brien, that DeAndre had a part in it. The fact that he did want out, we can, you know, discuss on why he wanted out, but he did. And based on what he's been speaking on lately, he seems to be happy. Um, and I'm okay with that. So, yeah. Add a different, add another player to it, it felt better. It would have felt better initially. Yeah. Gregory, how would you have felt? Gregory, how would you have felt if um, uh, if Brandon Cooks was a part of the initial DeAndre Hopkins trade, and we landed David Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, or I mean, uh, David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, and the 40th overall pick for DeAndre Hopkins? Would you have felt better about the trade? Uh, I don't know if I would have felt better because for me during the initial time, deal deal with the emotional part about it. Because, again, Hopkins is gone. This guy, as Jules even said himself, Hopkins has been texting since he showed up. He showed up, never really, he only missed one game over the course of his career. 
And he missed two, actually. One because of injury, and two because there was a reason to play him. So just the emotional side of it, I don't know that anything would have made it better that day. Like, just just for, like, an example, we traded Clowney the same day we got Tunsil, basically. And that didn't really change much of anything. And not sure if it would change if Clowney came, went to Miami for Tunsil. Not sure that would have changed. Once you were mostly type of player, someone else coming in doesn't really change the fact that that player's gone. So I'm not sure that I would have felt any differently or even better if Cook was just a part of actually trade itself. Okay. Joe, how would you have felt? I would have absolutely felt better because, in my, in my opinion, everybody's expendable except for everybody. I don't. I mean, I'm not one of those emotionally attached fans. Yeah, to Watson, I am. Like, if they get rid of him, man, I'm, I'm burning. I'm burning Kirby down. Like, it just you can't let him go because he is the franchise. Everybody rotates in that universe of number four. He's the most important piece on on that chessboard, you know. So you, you're gonna make it. We as long as you have him, you have a shot. So the way I felt, like, like I said, like if that would have happened the way it happened, instead of the two step process that that, that that it took, I would absolutely felt better. But and in the end, it all worked out. But like I said, everybody's expendable. Watts, Clowney, everybody. Like Watts, you know, everybody is expendable. Watt included, except for. So that that's just how I feel about it in terms of building a football team. Your franchise piece is there, and now you build around him. And once these players get to the point where, hey, man, it's not working no more, you got to go. And that's it. Fair, fair. That's just what I feel about it. Jules, how would you how, would you have felt better about the DeAndre Hopkins trade had Brandon Cooks been involved on the uh, with the original trade? I'd have been okay with Cooks. The, the draft pick, where I got, where my major hangup is at running back, because I don't think it was a need to go get David Johnson. Now, if he was a, a different player, an inside linebacker, or a cornerback, somebody who 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 he needed to fill a spot, I'd have been understandable, more understandable. But the Cooks part, you had to replace uh, Hopkins with somebody, so that that lessen the blow. Just the David Johnson part is the only one that gets me really un unequal about the situation. I didn't just like it. But after it's all said and done, it's it's a fair trade. I mean, that's exactly what, exactly what you got. Hopkins for those three or four players in the draft pick. And you can't argue with, you got players, you got a draft pick. So, it's a, it's a fair trade. Yeah. Um, the reason why I asked that is because I think that uh, emotionally, as, fan, as fans, we're emotional. And uh, especially with a particular player, somebody like Hop. Uh, but we had two to three weeks to kind of see the other the other piece fall to that trade. And those two to three weeks, everybody was in their own head. They had their own thoughts. There was no vision for the offense. Nobody had an idea on where they were going to go. And uh, I think that that really got people to think, uh, you know, maybe there's no idea of where to go. And that's why I asked that question the way I did. Uh, all right. Swan, what is your uh, – how do you feel about Bill O'Brien, the head coach? Are we speaking today or just overall? Long-term, now, however, all of it. Okay. Uh, previously, I was a OB apologist. 
I would say since the Kansas City playoff game, I went from you can go straight to hell to <laughs> uh, maybe a salvageable to when he traded DeAndre, he can go back to hell, back to Boston, where the hell he's from, to the recent transactions that he's done to, okay, I kind of see what the vision is. So at this point, uh, it's a wait and see. He is not the worst coach. I, I know people want to say that. Does he? He has some issues. I've never been in denial on that. So hopefully as a head coach, he allows his OC to be an OC. And if he does, that will help me to feel a little bit better about him. So the jury is still out. Um on him as far as a head coach with me. Okay. Greg, what are your thoughts, or how do you feel about Bill O'Brien, the head coach? As uh, far as a head coach, yeah, he's more, he is middle of the pack. He has issues regarding, like, time management. Sometimes he's don't know when the hell he's called time out. I do like the idea that he is trying to give his younger coordinators some leeway. However, I do understand, and a lot of people try to kill me for this, I understand that if it's week, I don't know, eight, nine, ten season, and Tim Kelly just can't get it together, I can see a world we have to take back over and call plays. With that being said, I like that he is giving him a chance, considering he has another job to do, which is stressful all by itself. So, yeah, he's been on the pack for me. The jury's still out. I am not – I'm. if you're going to replace O'Brien, I need, a, I need someone that can – I feel can come in and just change stuff right away. And I personally don't see it right now. So he's still, he's kind of like a, yeah, we keep it, we can't replace you right now. But at the same time, you're not God right now. We don't, we don't, we're not praising you. You're doing your job somewhat. So tell him about the pack for me. Okay. Joe, uh, how do you feel about Bill O'Brien, the head coach? The head coach? The head coach only. I think he's, I think he's all right. Like it just depends on what hat he's wearing, but like as the head coach, I think he's done pretty well. And uh, like I know I'm all over the place on Twitter sometimes. I'm kind of emotional. I go up and down, but uh, when you really look back, you know, and you and you really like if you're really thinking like in terms of football, the guy's been able to keep his team together through thick and thin. He's he, I mean, his players support him. And there's all these, you know, these narratives out there that everybody hates him and this and this. But, you know, there people sign here. People talk good about him. I don't know how Dwayne Brown got lumped in with the, the football people who hate him, like Brandon Cooks. Dwayne Brown spoke very highly of him on on, on uh, Foster's podcast. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it, 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 it just seems like he gets a bad rap because of other issues he may have in other departments. You may not like him as a GM. You may not like him as like, – like me and my, my – biggest complaint is his play call. Like, as him as the OC, I didn't want him as the OC. I just never seen him at that, that is his strong suit. But as the head coach, I always thought that he's been pretty, pretty good. At, you know, he's been pretty good. I mean, the guy's only had one losing season since he's been here. And, you know, as football fans, we complain. And, you know, look at Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? Like, you look at other football towns, and they go through hell. We complain about making the playoffs and getting bounced. But we get to the playoffs. You know what I mean? And, and for any coach to do that on a consistent basis, love him, hate him, or, or being different, it, I mean, it's success. 
no matter how you measure it. You know, and, and that's just my opinion about it. I think that he's done a pretty consistent job as a head coach. Yeah, he has his flaws and stuff, you know, as far as uh, game management and things like that. But overall, I mean, he's pretty good. I mean, and, and that's just what I, I mean. That's, that's in my opinion. That's how I feel about it. Okay, Jules, how do you feel about Bill O'Brien, the head coach? Never liked the hire in the first place. Nothing has changed my opinion about it. He has confirmed my opinion about him since he's been here, and I want him gone. Okay. Sure. Um, I, Joe said earlier that he's nine and seven, or he's taking team to the playoffs every year, but one year when you when you when you tw- your first twenty-two on your roster on defense, offense are all first and second round players. Your talent is a lot of it. Why are you getting these eight, nine wins? The, the two, the, the the one and two, three wins that you need to be a elite team, an elite coach, is having some kind of coaching. And I don't believe he's a good coach. I believe he we were sold a bill of goods of he was going to be this offensive-minded genius. He was a, a quarterback whisperer guru. All the narrative that came out that he handled Tom Brady, he did the Penn State thing. To me, it was just a bunch of bull. And it still has showed me that nobody off the Bill Belichick tree can really coach. And he came in one in power. And I understand that coaches who come out of college are office. They, they want some type of power. But he came in one in power. And he, he, he little, and little by little, he gained more and more power. And he has yet to earn the power he has. So I want him gone. He has too many red flags for me, coaching-wise, personality-wise, composure-wise. He's the head. He he is the Texans guy. Front office, ownership. He When people see the Texans, they see Bill O'Brien because he has put himself there, and I, I, I don't like him as a coach. Okay, fair. Period. Swan, how do you feel about Bill O'Brien, the general manager? Actually, I like Bill O'Brien, the general manager, to be honest with you. Um, can we kind of question, you know, the value, per se, that he has gotten for certain players? Um, the only one I can question would be the DeAndre uh, trade, because I still think, because Arizona – was truly desperate. They were because uh, they didn't want to pay that kind of money to DJ. So I think O'Brien could have gotten a little bit the clowny. That's not on on him because obviously game was still here and there is that kind of you know mix. So we don't know if there who wanted to trade him, who wanted to try to sign him. So I'll give him that the biggest thing that I that I think he did well, which I think Texans fans are split on, because some of us love picks more than players, um, was the tonsil trade. That, to me, was great. And then the wind up getting Kenny Steele's in it, uh, which people thought was a throw-in, turned out to be excellent. And then the mid-season trades that he did, when he went and got Conley and so forth, and then signing Hargrave when he got cut. I like his vision. 
his execution or how it plays out is a little muddled. So that's the only thing that makes me not say, oh, he's a great GM yet. Um, I need to see how it plays out. But the pieces and what he's trying to do, I like. I truly do. Okay. Gregory, what are your thoughts or how do you feel about Bill O'Brien, the general manager? I like him personally. Like, only issue to me that I would say O'Brien has is he likes to throw in, like, sweetener picks. Like, throwing in at fourth when you, got rid of, when you traded Hopkins, I didn't think that part was necessary. But as far as everything overall, I don't, I, I don't feel, I personally don't feel like he did, he made moves that was all that horrible. I get the Hopkins thing is, is real, it's bad because of emotional support from the fans. But when you think about years down the road, you gotta pay Tunso, which you gotta pay Watson, you gotta pay all the other guys. You probably, I don't know you gonna pay Watson. We don't know, we don't know what he's gonna do in a year or two. But he has some sort of a vision because that's an only reason why I question the trade. Hopkins trade was a vision. Now I see what he's trying to do. I don't really, I don't really hate it because at the end of the day, you have to try something. You have to go all in or something. Whether or not it works, I mean, yeah, we we can quit that in a couple years, three years, whatever. But to me, right now, it seems to me that he made pretty much all the decisions that was right for the team. Like he cut player that wasn't producing, Dante Foreman, for example. I don't know why we act like he was Earl Campbell when he was cut. And you know, then uh, of course with with and I think I don't know if I'm to early, but we have all these uh, uh, former players that are no longer in the league trying to join in on the O'Brien hate train. And try to make it seem like he is his off head coach. Now, here's the one thing I will say too about Brian. He has to read the room. That is the biggest thing for me for Brian. He has to read the room. Can I go on the season ticket press conference talking about T E A M? He can't do that. He also he, he also cannot talk to Hopkins about and use Aaron Hernandez. No matter the context, even though that's important. He can't really. He can't. He, he got to be able to recognize that if I use Aaron Hernandez, just because in any capacity doesn't matter if I'm right or not, that's going to piss some people off because of Aaron Hernandez. Not to mention that was a whole documentary on Aaron Hernandez like maybe six months before. So yeah, you have to. He has to be able to read the room better. I like him because he has. To, he is the asshole. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this final point. He's a he. The biggest issue with Brian, he is an asshole, and he's not winning like the fans want him to do. That is his biggest problem. He has to pick a struggle for people to like him. Either he can he either need to lighten up, or he need to win some games that people care about. If he does one to he he picks that, he's fine. But I think that's the big divide right now in between O'Brien and people like him is the fact that he's a douche and he's not getting the results that require that warrant him to do. He's not Bill Belichick, so. Fair, fair. Joe, what, how do you feel about uh, Bill O'Brien, the general manager? I think, I, again, I think he's doing a pretty fair job. I think he's really, I think he might be a little too aggressive sometimes, and it may come back to bite us, you know. But I think overall, though, if we really look at his body of work, like, I mean, we can go back to the tightest pick. You know, people, man, people shitted on him for that one. About Andre Dillard. And, uh, you know, he was right. He's been right a lot of times. 
They say you build championship teams through the middle rounds. When, when did Rick do that? When did, you know, if we kind of look back and we look at the breadcrumbs, he kind of started consolidating his power and his influence in the draft right around the time when they started hitting in the mid-round. Zach Cunningham, right? You know what I'm saying? You, you Max Sharping. You got Titus Howard. You know, you got like Kenny Stills. I mean, these are all contributors. You know, I think Kiku Kuti is a really good player. He just can't get his head out of his own, you know. But he just he, – he, he has an eye for talent as far as GM. I mean, I, I really think it would be hard to even deny that. People like to credit everybody else. Oh, that was Brian Game. Well, you know what? I think he did pretty well this draft too. It remains to be – I mean, it, of course, it remains to be determined. But I think as far as GM – I remember Texas fans used to complain, oh, man, how come we don't have a GM who's aggressive? How can we even make it moves like this? Guess what? You got one now. And, and and now it seems, oh, he's too aggressive or he's he's too this or he's, you know, he, he doesn't do this this way or he, he doesn't play the safe pick or he's or he's selling more than this or the other one they say uh, he's a mortgage in the future or whatever, you know, but I I really don't see that, you know. I mean, like like I say, yeah, he, he tends to be a little too aggressive like uh, – uh, Gregory said that he does kind of throw in these like little sweetener picks and stuff. So I do, I, I do agree that he kind of he does overpay a little bit, and I think he can. I think that tends to be a coach who just wants what he wants. So that, 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 there needs to be a separation there. You know what I mean? Like a coach don't give a damn. He's going to want his player. A GM kind of takes more of a cautious approach, but I, I do like the aggressiveness, and I, and I think that he's done a pretty good job so far. Yeah. Okay. Jules, what are your thoughts on, or how do you feel about Bill O'Brien, the general manager? Bill O'Brien, the general manager, I believe he didn't earn the job. I believe he weasels his way into the job. So I'll leave that there. I think he's bipolar and highly emotional. I think that when he wants to get a player done out, he'll figure out a way to do it. But then he'll be nice, Bill O'Brien, and ask you where do you want to go and which I'll make a deal for it. So I don't know what kind of person Bill O'Brien is as GM. He does have a, he does have a vision. He does have an idea of what he wants to do. And and he think I think he might be just single mind focused on getting what he wants, how he wants it, and doesn't give damn about the value, how people think of him, or what's going to happen. He wants his vision to be realized. And that is my biggest problem as Bill O'Brien, the coach and the GM, is like Greg says, you have to read the room. You have to read your talent too. Your vision may not agree with the talent you have, so you have to adjust your coaching. But to me, it seems like he is so focused on what he what he thinks a great offense is going to be. We probably wasted a good five years of trying to figure out if his team was actually good or not. Because it wasn't what he wanted, so he got he got he, he got what he wanted now, as the GM and the head coach. Everything's on him. I just don't know who he is, and what kind of person he is. And that just it just he it just it just he looks confuses me. He confuses me, and no one can say to me, in my opinion, they know exactly what who Bill O'Brien is. Okay, fair. Uh, just to add. Uh, I, I wish I would have done this at the beginning, but I'm going to add my my answer. Um, I actually think Bill O'Brien, the general manager, is exactly what this team needed. Um, 
I understand that the mortgaging of the future, uh, the you know, uh, the specifically the Tunsil trade. Uh, I also believe that the NFL is moving towards an NBA model as far as draft picks not being as important, that you'd rather uh, turn those into immediate contributors that you know are contributors instead of taking the risk. Um, obviously, I think the mid-season additions, I think the mid-season additions were ideal in my mind. Uh, you look at, at those trades, and they were all position of needs. One of them specifically in Gary and Conley I think was really probably one of the the best moves that Bill O'Brien has actually made, uh, as I think he's a, a top-tier corner. Uh, I do agree with Greg, and I think this is a piece that people tend to leave out. Um, a lot of people don't like Bill O'Brien because of the way he approaches the media, how he comes off somewhat, um, you know, uh, the smartest guy in the room approach. Basically, nobody can tell him anything. Uh, very just, very coy, doesn't give you anything. Um, I, I, I agree with Greg. I think that that's something that is earned and not just something that you should approach. You shouldn't you shouldn't approach it that way. You have to learn how to read the room. It's a big part of the leadership in general. Uh, but I also think that the Bill O'Brien we see is different than the Bill O'Brien the players see. Uh, and I, I, I just base that opinion off of players I talk to and what we hear in the media regarding who how he's liked in the locker room. And I think that speaks uh, a lot about who he is as a person. Um but I do agree in the sense that to act that way, you have to earn the right to act that way. And he hasn't done enough to act that way. But I just don't think he cares about what we think of him, to be honest with you. I really don't think he cares at all about the media, about the fans. I don't think he cares what people think of him. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I, very good uh, opinions from you guys. I, I agree with every single one of you uh, in a way. Except for Jules the most. But that's okay. That's why I like Jules. Uh, all right. How do you feel about Swan? <laughs> how, how do you feel about the way the team is currently constructed entering the 2020 season? I actually am very excited, and I'll start just from an offensive standpoint. Um, not very popular opinion. I, I I know it won't be, but I think, and I'm putting health. If everybody stays healthy, so I'm just putting it out there. If everybody is healthy. This team that's coming for 2020 is much better than the team that we had in 2019, 18, 17. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to see it. The I'm also excited to see what Tim Kelly will be as a true OC to me with play calling. Um, that to me is the the biggest thing because I truly hope that Obi gives him that opportunity to do it. Um, I expect, especially with the whole thing of them not being able to have mini camps and all of that, and they just doing this virtual thing. I expect all teams to be somewhat rusty um, and trying to find their way. And even when we had preseason, previously teams looked kind of sluggish the first four weeks, but because these are veterans, and these are talented guys who have produced. I'm just excited. Deshaun has the most weapons he's ever had. And these are not no scrubs. These are really talented players. Um, so I'm really excited to see what the offense will do. Defense, I'm just going to say it, I, I love Rat. He's like a grandpa. But I think that time has passed for him. I'm excited to see what Weaver is going to do. 
to me, the biggest question mark is the defense. Um, I don't know if any other moves will be made, but if they can at least be average, then that's enough for me, and I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Greg, uh, What? Uh, how do you feel about the way the team is currently constructed entering the 2020 season? Okay. Well, before I answer real quick, I will go add up to Jules' uh, last point about the emotional side of O'Brien, which is why uh, which is why I had concerns about him being both head coach and GM. What the hell, man? Because head coach is supposed to be the emotional side. He has got riled up. GM has to be level-headed. So from that point, I understand Jules' point about the bipolar being the issue because, again, if you go be a GM, you got to be a GM and not worry so much about the emotional side. But to add on to the question that you just asked me, I'm I'm excited about the team. I'm I'm seeing what I'm excited about what we can do. I was wrong recently. She says this is the best receiver core that Watson's ever had. It's even with Hopkins gone. Yes, I know people. It's, it's like why why would you say that? He's the best receiver game left. It is addition by subtraction. He's gone. You can spread the ball around. Someone's gonna be open at all times. Or at least potentially open at all times. That's the part I'm excited about. Defense is always going to be the concern, which is why I even put the blame on them. And earlier in the when you asked about who is the biggest to blame for that 24-point lead, defense is the biggest concern because of really really most of the coaching. So we'll see what Weaver can do. We can change something up. But, yeah, defense has to be the question mark. I, more particular, I think it's going to be I think the linebackers are going to be the most question marks because we don't know what's going to happen with Merciless. Is he going to keep going or is he going to fall off? Which is why I understand people are concerned about him getting paid. But we don't know what's going to happen with him. Outside of that, I'm good. I like the season. I like, I like the season to be pretty good. We play some good, we play tough teams. I know I'm probably getting ahead of here, but we got a good schedule this year. But I think we pull it off. I like, I like this offense. In the, in the defense with with me. Okay, Joe, what? Uh, how do you feel about the way the team is currently constructed entering the twenty twenty season? Speed kills. Mm. Preach. So, Preach. I, I, you want to keep up with teams like the Ravens and the Chiefs? You need speed and a move. You know, what was what we had last year wasn't going to work. You kept bargaining down when Fuller would go out. Offense would just kind of go to couldn't you know yeah we, we, it seems like the offense has no problem kind of moving the chains here and there but you need speed you need speed everywhere so the way it's constructed now it seems like what, I mean what are these teams going to do you're going to take away the deep threat or you're going to take away the underneath stuff you're going to try to take away uh, Duke Johnson and uh, and David Johnson or your boy uh, Aikens. Are you gonna? Are you gonna? Are you gonna try to minimize the damage from Deshaun, who's throws a beautiful deep ball? You gonna try to stop that? I mean, what, what are you gonna do? So the way it's constructed now, I, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I mean, I think it has a lot of potential. I think, you know, I I, I think this team can is ready to compete. Now, the first half of the schedule got me a little concerned, but you know, if you want to win championships, you got to go through the big boys. And you got to show that you can compete. And nothing like like last year with the Ravens when they rolled us, but I mean, really, really get out there and, and, and beat them. And with and as far as like Anthony Weaver and stuff, I mean, he's got me excited. That dude looks like a leader of men. 
You know what I mean? So anybody too who's under who's been under Rex Ryan too kind of excites me too with all that exotic blitzing and stuff. So you know I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready. Awesome, Jules. How do you feel about the way that the team is currently constructed entering the 2020 season? I'll unmute you, Jules. Hold on. Uh, Jules, you're on mute, bud. I can't unmute you. There you go. Can you hear me? Yep. I'm intrigued. I can't be too positive, and I can't be too low and too negative on them. I think the Zach Fulton being uh, restructured gives the O-line mm. three years of the same O-line, that, which O'Brien has never had. Um, there's some red flags with the stability of the receivers we have with Fuller, Cobb, Cooks. Um, uh, health-wise, they're still can – they can, they, can they all of them stay on the field for all 15 games? The defense is my biggest struggle because I didn't, didn't see them actually taking a impactful player. I like I like uh, Ross. Where does Ross really fit in? I didn't see no upgrade on the defensive side of in coverage. If you look at the games that the Texans lost, we lost with tight ends, middle 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 coverage, and running backs out the outfield. Hell, Josh Allen scored a touchdown because we didn't have a fast enough outside linebacker or inside linebacker to cover him, other than Zach Cunningham. And if you read in the room of the offense, as Joe said, speed kills but yet you didn't get any speed on the defense on the key key areas. So I don't know how the defense had improved from last year because Green, Greener, is he going to start or is Scarlett going to start again? If, that, if that's the case, then you didn't really get a great player to start in your most key area, which is linebackers. So I am intrigued. I don't know what is going to happen. I can see them going as high as 12 and 4. I can see them going as 6 and 10. Just because a lot of parts, a lot of moving parts got added to it. A lot of motions got put in when, when Hobbs got traded. And it's just a revolving door with Bill O'Brien and, and the GMs of adding players here, taking players away, trying to fat to get the good mix. I'm probably more hopeful for next year if they can get the same team together and build a great chemistry than I am for this year. That makes any sense. No, makes sense. Um, A lot there. Um, One, I love the way the offense is currently constructed. I think that it is specifically built for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson loves the middle of the field. Why did DeAndre Hopkins play in the slot last year? Because Deshaun loves to throw in the middle of the field. Now you add a reliable slot wide receiver that can be there, and you still have your two guys on the outside that are quick. One of those guys goes down. You still have Kenny Stills that you can plug in, so the offense doesn't stall. So I really like that. I also like the dynamic. I know I, am, I, know I am the major blowhard for, for David Johnson, and I'll, I'll take that. Maybe it's because I talked to him. I don't know. But I, I love what David Johnson potentially brings to this team. I do. I think with him and Duke, it's just going to be extremely interesting to watch how defenses can prepare for us. And like you said, Joe, when you add Akins into into that uh, at the tight end position and what he's able to do with the ball in his hands, um, I just think that this offense has so many weapons and the the the, the offensive scheme can be so creative. Uh, it, it's 
I think the sky's the limit. It is all relative to health. Um, I'm not really too worried about Cooks being hurt. It's all Fuller for me. I do think Fuller is the number one wide receiver when fully healthy, and I think people will see that if he can do it for 16 games this year. I think he'll shock a lot of people. Uh, defensively, uh, I would agree with you, Jules. I don't know what they did to make this defense better from a speed perspective, but I will say this. I think it's very intriguing when you look at the pieces that were added. Uh, you know, Grenard potentially replacing Scarlett. He's dropped into coverage multiple times in college. Uh, he has enough speed on the outside. Um, when you look at the rotation of pass rushers, whether it's Duke Etchafor or Jacob Martin, potentially opposite of Whitney Merciless on third down, uh, I think that there's a lot of creative things that this defense can can do from a scheme perspective and with the personnel that they've added. I don't know where Ross fits. I'd like to say that he fits as a defensive end, uh, but Timmy Jernigan hasn't passed this physical yet, so we don't know if he'll be added. Uh, but I think I'm more optimistic now after the draft with the defense than I was prior. I love the secondary. That is a given. Everybody knows that I am a big uh, fan of the secondary. And then if any of this stuff going on around my favorite Texan of all time is actually true of him coming back, I will, I, I will, I will, I will reach a place of euphoria that I never thought I could reach. And I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to make it a conversation, but he would change this defense for the better, and I would be so happy. Um, all right. Um, Swan, what are your biggest concerns about this team entering the 2020 season? Health. That's the only thing. That's it? Yes, because if relative like we talked about from the offensive standpoint if the receivers are healthy I mean really we can I mean we can go toe to toe with Kansas City yeah we just need, we just need the defense to be average yeah I mean technically they had a 24 nothing lead if your defense is just average yeah KC could nickel and dime their way but we still should have won fair okay yeah, and then, yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, Greg, uh, what are your biggest concerns for the 2020 Texans? I would also say health before a different reason. I'm not so concerned about, you know, Fuller getting hurt, Cooks getting hurt. I'm really concerned about everybody because, um, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so guys, you know, rookies right now will be in minicamp, but they can't be, obviously, for obvious reasons. So how is that going to impact them? if there is a season in September. So that's really the thing I'm concerned about. How, how long is it going to take for teams to really get revved up if they do get revved up? Because as we've seen, sometimes when you sit too long and you start trying to plan, either in JJ, in JJ Watt's case, you either look so washed or you didn't hurt yourself. That's big concern for me. Well, so let me ask this quick, uh, real quick, Greg, before we go on. Don't you think that maybe every team's probably going through that same exact struggle? True, I, I true, but you know, I'm just saying, I'm just thinking about the Texans. Okay. That's how we made it. it might have impact us because again, we see Watt take off when well, I take off, he was hurt eight weeks, and when we got back, he was he was decent in the Bills game, but the Chiefs game is awful. Who the hell? Who the hell was that? Yeah. So you, no, 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 I'm not saying this is exclusive Texans, but it's, I'm just speaking relative to our team. Okay. That's definitely the biggest thing for me. How's going to affect them? Because some some players and other teams might react to it fine. They might have perfect workout schedules for themselves. They might some of the workout on their own anyways, as is. 
So they may be fine, but how many players depend on attributes and facilities? Outside of rookies, that's my biggest concern. Okay. All right. Fair. Joe, what is your biggest concern for this 2020 Texans? As always, health, but and that, that you know that just comes with football. Everybody's gonna that's get year in, up. year out. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, just new coordinators would probably be my biggest concern. I mean, like like I said, Weaver looks like a leader of men. Hey, but he still got to get out there. You know, he still mm-hmm. got to call and plays on the sidelines. Tim Kelly, we don't know. Um, you know, the odds say one of them will fail. You know, but um. You know, I'm hoping that they can, you know, put it together. You know, and, and that those are that that's pretty much my biggest concern. And, and how how long is the rope on 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 Tim Kelly? You know, before he before Ob says, you know, I'm gonna yank this guy because, you know, you don't want to cut him too short, but you know, I, but then again, you don't want to just let him burn down. You know what I mean? Just just he just can't get it together. But uh, I mean, I'm confident they will do it. But if there, if there was really a truly a concern, it's the rookie OCs, the rookie OC in DC. So okay. it's, uh, you know, obviously they're going to have to go through a learning curve, you know, and they're going to have to figure it out on the run, you know, and, and like, like, uh, like Greg said, there's not a lot of time to gel. You know, you got to get this, you got to get this shit together quickly. You know, everybody has to be on the same page in a kind of a shortened fashion. So, you got two rookies. You got two rookie coordinators, and you got teams that are not practicing practicing together right now. So there's no mini camps. There's no OTAs or anything like that right now. So it's like they got mm-hmm. they got to kind of they got to have to do this quickly. And they've been kind of notorious for slow starts. So that's another thing too. So kind of want them to hit the ground running, and everybody be on the same page. So just thinking, you know, what I'm saying just thinking it can it can be like a, a fine a fine two machine, well oiled machine. So there. That's you know that's my biggest concern. There. All right, Jules. What's your biggest concern for this twenty for the twenty twenty Texans? Well, I have two. One is coaching. Like everything Joe said was everything I wanted to say. Rookie coordinators, a decent coach, a head coach. We still have a rack on the team who's been decent as defense. So the four coaches that we have leading these men are the rookies or marginal coaches and haven't shown much in the past couple of years. And like Joe said, we have seen in the past Bill O'Brien take the reins away from an offense coordinator four or five years ago because he didn't like what was going on. An offensive coordinator can't have confidence unless he has a full two or three seasons calling plays and knowing that it won't get pulled from him. And being the offensive guru that Bill O'Brien wants to be or was shown to be, can he get? Can he give Tim Kelly the, the right amount of time to find himself? He has to find himself as a play caller. He has to know what he's going to pull and what Watson wants and be confident that it won't get pulled from him. So Bill O'Brien has to show confidence in Tim Kelly. So that's so like everything Joe said was what I want to say in coaching. Then my second thing is I think it's B. And I said it previously, the linebacker core, because of the elite teams that we will play if we make some playoffs this year, we'll do the same thing they did previously. And I like the fact that you said Gennard can actually be in the coverage. I just hope that he gets enough practice that he can actually be a starter this year. So that will alleviate my pressure or, or my doubt 
that the, the linebacking core can cover tight ends, running backs, swing passes, all that stuff that we get beat on all, on occasion. And, of course, I'm going to throw a little, little, little sunshine your way about the Lonnie Johnson um, training and what he's been doing. I believe he has the speed, the size, just need the technique, and he could probably handle a lot of the, the midfield passing routes and receives and tight ends and running back. So if that can gel, then I'll I, I, I I have less, less concerns. Yep. But the linebacking core on those both passes makes me worry. Yep, no. Um, yeah, I, I agree with, with almost everything. Uh, I think that uh, my biggest concern with this team is the rookie OCE in D.C. I'm not really much – I'm not as worried about Kelly as I am about Anthony Weaver. And it's not from a talent perspective or what I think they're capable of. I just think that this defense is kind of retooled. And it's not that he really had a blueprint in place to be able to schematically do the things that he wants to do with the personnel that he has. I think it's going to take time to gel. So I've said it before, I think week eight, week nine is when we start to see the defense click. I do think that they'll struggle out the gate. Uh, I'm not worried about the offense as much. Uh, just with Deshaun being there, his relationship already with Tim Kelly, I'm not really too concerned about the offensive scheme and play calling and, and kind of you know hitting the ground running in that sense. I, I just think that that will flow. Um, I really do. Uh, yeah, and then I think with Lonnie Johnson, I agree with you. Like the linebackers, we have Zach. He's fast, but he's not. He hasn't been great in coverage. He really hasn't developed much in coverage from his rookie season. It's something that I've been harping on that I hope that he can clean up. Maybe it'll be this year. But, yeah, regarding Lonnie, you know, Lonnie did fine when covering tight ends last year outside of the divisional round against KC where he actually got hurt. So um, I agree with what he's doing and his hips and his training. Um, I, I think that Lonnie has a good opportunity to come in and kind of play a special role, specifically in dime sets where he'll cover the tight ends, you know, he'll cover the, the big receivers. Um, maybe running backs and things of that nature. But I do think that the pieces are in place. It's just going to be interesting to see how uh, how it looks when they're on the field. All right. Um, Swan, this one should be pretty easy. Has your fandom changed since the end of last season? Yes and no. Initially it did. Um like I said, the way that taste that was left in my mouth after blowing that game, um, I question it. But once again, I always come back to, hey, I'm a fan. I love the team. I'm going to support the team. That doesn't make me naive that the team has its flaws and the fact that we haven't done anything, and just to be honest, based on our overall record as an organization, we're mediocre. Uh, I know that. However, that doesn't change that I'm not going to get out there and support them. I'm, I'm ride or die. That's just me. Fair. Greg, has your fandom changed since the end of the 2019 season? Uh, not really. I mean, I made a thought it change, but I, I was just being emotional about it. I think for me, where I land at is everything for me is rise on Watson, in a sense. Whatever O'Brien does or doesn't do, I'm good with. Whatever you know, the player does, I'm good with. And I think it's just more so from the perspective that, oh, shit, we got a black quarterback. Let's see what we can do for once. You know, I didn't grow up. I mean, when I, when I grew up, the Oilers left. 
So I didn't, I didn't know it was like had Warren Moon in style. This is sort of a Warren Moon in a sense. He ain't Warren Moon, then I say that. But in terms of what he represents, I've focused more on that than me being a fan of the actual team. Who, even though that fandom hasn't changed at all. Okay. Joe, has your fandom changed at all uh, since the end of the 2019 season? No. Yeah, after a loss, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely hot and I'm mad. I'm you? No. <laughs> no, not you, Joe. <laughs> Don't say that. Yeah, you would never. Nah, not Joe. No. You're pretty level-headed and calm. And Joe would never. No. I, I, mean, I swear I go back and forth with this team so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like Swan told me one time, she's like, "You still gonna watch?" So shut up. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> so it's like, I kinda, that's why I kind of got off the negativity because I'm like, in the end, am I gonna stop watching? Am I gonna stop attending the games? Hell no. So why keep on bitching? You know what I mean? That's that's the way I looked at it. So yeah. I was like, I'm I'm always gonna be a fan. I mean, no matter what this team does. I'm always going to be a fan. I mean, it's, I just love football. I'm breathing. I just love it. And it's just something that's, you know, it's something that I've done since I was a kid. And, um, you know, people can call me whatever they want to call me. You bandwagon, you know, whatever. You you kiss teams ass, whatever. It is what it is, man. I, I love football. And I'm not, and I'm, I'm going to keep on watching. Just like when someone told me, um, someone said on Twitter, they said, uh, we need to organize against this team and this and this and this. And I said, if it involves missing games or not watching them, good luck. Because I ain't, I can't help you. So it's just, it is what it is, man. I'm a fan, and I'm a being a fan. Yeah. They can go with 16. I'm still going to tune in. Yeah. Fair. You know what I mean? Fair. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's hope that never happens. Uh, Jules, has yeah. your fandom changed since the end of the 2019 season? This will be an interesting answer. Oh no, man! My fanhood hasn't changed. My emotional and dislike for certain players and certain things on the team it fluctuates. But as far as my fanhood, when they announced the team logo on Texas Avenue, I was first in line, right there when when Bob and Robert McNair revealed the Texan logo. I would never ever ever changed my fandom for this team. I am very passionate about it. I may be overly passionate about it. I may run hot with my GM and my coach. I even, on my Twitter handle, was rooting for a different coach to be coached next year. But as far as my fandom for the red, white, and blue Texans, I can't say it. I'm getting choked up. This is my team. We lost the Oilers, and that hurt. And I'll be Ooh. damned if I lose my Texans mm. over anything. So 0-16, as Joe said, the worst coach in the world, the worst the worst owner in the world, when those, when those players put that jersey on, I am 100% behind everything they do. Oh, there so whatever goes on, I'm 100% behind them. Chills. Now, Cal makes me pull my, my hair out, the little do I have. And Bill O'Brien makes me scratch the, the brain in my head trying to figure out what he does. But I, 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 I am a Houston Texan 
stand for life. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, so my my fanhood, uh, my fandom has somewhat changed, and it's more just because of the path that I'm on. But as trying to decide between fan and and media. Um, but for me, it's always I, I I don't care what anybody says. They say that when you become a media person, that you have to leave out the fandom. But I think the good media people can actually do both. I think that's what makes those particular media people more relatable to people is when they're able to balance both. And um, my fanhood will never, ever waver for this team. I, I love this team. I love it. There's, there's, not, there's my wife, my kids, and then the Lakers and Texans. And that's just the way it works. And th- that will never change. That will never change. No matter where I live, no matter what's going on in my life, um, I love this team. And I will always, I won't miss a game. I will rewatch them all. And I just, boneheaded decisions and things like that or, you know, whatever. But I still have an opportunity to watch football in a city that I love and a, a team that I love. So, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with all of you guys. Uh, all right, uh, we have three more questions. What are your expectations for the upcoming season, Swan? Okay, I'll, once again, I'll put that disclaimer out there, providing everyone, I would say one of the key players are healthy. Most importantly, if four is standing up, <laughs> my expectation is that AFC Championship game. I don't care if we go into the playoffs as a wild card team. As long as you get to the AFC Championship game, that to me is the progress. That is not lowering the standard that that's all that I care about. However, as I think it was Jules uh, that mentioned it, these there are new pieces that were added. There is a chemistry thing that has to be developed. Deshaun is a wonderful quarterback. He is. He's got some things he has to improve on, but it's still chemistry. I don't care who you are. So I expect some bumps here and there, but in the end, my expectation is that they're in an AFC championship game, minimum. Now, if they don't get there, am I saying clean house? It all depends on how the season goes, depends on how they lose in the playoffs that would dictate that because it could be different things that could happen. Also, the reason why I say that is technically we don't have a first and a second for the 2021 draft. I am a little concerned with if you bring new management in, how does that work? So it's not a all or nothing. If they don't get there, then clean house. I need to see how this team did a whole season and how they performed in the playoffs. But ultimately, at minimum, I would like to see an AFC championship game. But my highest expectation is get to the Super Bowl. Fair. Greg, what are your expectations for the 2020 season for the Houston Texans? Yeah, uh, no more blowing 24-point leads. I think that would be a great sign of progress. Um yeah, AFC Championship is, is what you want. You want to see some progression. I think any rational fan wants to see some progression, and obviously things can happen that are out of control, health, yeah. pandemic, whatever. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. But 
Yeah, I think the the thing what I don't want to see is another situation as we find the opportunity to take care of one thing that we haven't done ever and go through crap for whatever reason. Last season, okay, that's a little bit of an excuse. This season, not really. Because at this point, I'm not saying that O'Brien maxed out what he can do, because I'm pretty sure he can do, he can do way more than what he did so far. But at the same time, you got Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's not a victim of anything that happened this offseason, whether it's Hopkins going, whether it's Cobb showing up, Cook showing up. He's not a victim of it, so he, he, has, he has to perform. That's the biggest thing. I love Watson. He's my dude. But he got to perform, too. Everybody got to perform. So, yeah, I would, AFC Championship is the goal for me. But, really, don't be blowing on these in the playoffs. You don't know when – because I liken it back to when the Rockets lost against – well, Chris Paul hamstring pull up. You don't know when you're getting back there. You don't know. You don't know how big the window is or how small the window is. So, you get an opportunity to take care of something, do it. That's simple. Joe, what are your expectations for the 2020 season for the Houston Texans? Damn, what happened? Joe, you're there. You're there, bro. No, I'm you. Ah, we lost Joe. Okay, Jules, what are your expectations for the 2020 Houston Texans? Um, excitement. I think they're going to be an exciting team. I think they're going to be a very um, scrutinized team by the media. I think they're going to get a lot more coverage than usually because they want to see the Bill O'Brien experience either succeeds or failures. I believe they will be a a very good offense. I think the chemistry needed to be a great offense needs to have another year to really gel because I think all the players except Fuller are guaranteed to be here next year. So I think this year is going to be a growing pain year to make sure the offense is where it needs to be. I think the defense is going to be a what pieces do we need next year kind of defense to see the the picks and plays. So I think the, the, this this season is going to be very interesting. I think they 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 can win easily, like I said, 12 games. I could see them being 8-8, eight and eight, just trying to figure out who they truly are because after, after tinkering so many so many years to, to find the right chemistry, the right players that, that – Bill O'Brien wants. I think he finally got what he wants as an offense. And I think it's going to take time to get to where he wants to be ex- executed. So, I'm, like I said, I'm very intrigued. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. I don't have, like, a lot of great expectations just because I'm not a big fan of Bill O'Brien. And I'm hoping this, the hope in this offense can go to the championship game and hey, win the Super Bowl. That's, that's what we all want. But my level of experience as a football fan, make, make, make the playoffs, it is what it is. I just think it's going to – I just don't I know. I just – I'm edgy about it. I'm, and really, I just don't know how to take this team because I don't know what's going to happen. Normally, I'm, 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 I'm precise. Oh, we're going to win this game games. I'm, 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 I'm 100% behind this. Right now, I'm just kind of in, in the weeds waiting back to see what happens. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this season, win, lose, or draw because I don't have any expectations. That's how, that's how I see it. Okay. Joe, I unmuted you. Don't worry. Uh, all right, all right. Um, what are your expectations for the 2020 Texan season? Man, to me, the sky's the limit. And maybe it's a little bit more optimistic than most, but I think the talent's there to make noise, to do something. 
And for me, like, my expectation is the AFC Championship game. But also, too, just compete. You can't you, you can't have these games anymore. Three quarters of bad play, like against Buffalo, getting rolled by KC. Stop laying eggs against Denver. You know what I'm saying? Go out there and hammer like you know you can. This team can compete with anybody. But it just got to – it's got to – I don't know if it's a, it's a mental thing or, or if it's the coaching. I don't know what it is. You know, are they not taking themselves seriously? Do they get too high on the cloud on for, one, you know, like against the Patriots and then make them to go out there and underestimate their opponent and just get rolled? So, it's, 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 to me, it's – my expectations are, man, just win it all. Just win. But also do it in a convincing fashion to stop – Stop laying eggs against bad teams. Like, don't go out there and lose to, to uh, my, I don't know. The league's changing so much now. Like, Miami's starting to get come up and, you know what I mean? But that don't go out there and lay eggs against bad teams. Go out there and compete and, and then beat the teams. You know, you can be like the Ravens, the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Compete. Be up there on the top. It's, it's, time, it's time for this team to take the next step to be considered up there with, with the Ravens and the Chiefs and, and, and the Patriots. And the, now I'm not saying the Patriots are probably going to be good this year, but I'm saying, like, you need to be up there already. You got the franchise piece. It needs to happen. So those are my expectations. Fair. All right. Uh, my expectations for the 2020 Houston Texans are, um, are boom or bust. It's either all the way or nothing. And that's the only way that I'm approaching this season. And a lot of it has to do with the talent that I see on the team. Uh, I think a lot of it also has to do with the story that's been built up to this point in my mind. And I think that story tends to be overlooked. You know, a lot of times teams have to go through adversity to be able to take that next step as a team. And we're seeing players chime in and talk about how they're take they're taking the Kansas City loss personal. They're thinking about it every day. Those are all things that we've never really seen from players on this team. They don't come out vocally and say those types of things. To me, they're, they're, they're taking the mental approach that, that is needed for them to be able to take that next step and be considered a legit team, a legit contender. It's all, it's all talk. So, you know, Justin Reed could be lying. Lonnie Johnson could be lying. Other players, Jordan Akins could be lying. But I don't think so. I, I really don't. I think, that they, I think that they understand what happened. I think that they know what they need to do to be able to take that next step and be taken serious. And I think the pieces are in place. And I think that they have a really good opportunity for that to be the case. We don't know what teams are going to be good this year. Every team, every season, there's two teams that come out of nowhere that are extremely good. And if, and if I had to choose a team that I think nobody's talking about that has a chance to be that team, I do think it's the 2020 Houston Texans. I really do. So my expectations are Super Bowl. Um, all right, two more questions, then I'll let you guys get back to your quarantined, hopefully, well, either way, however you guys live your life. Um, Saturday. Um, Swan, what would it take for you to want to keep Bill O'Brien, and what would it take for you to want to fire Bill O'Brien? Okay, to keep him. Ooh. Like I said, I want the uh, AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. However, like I said, it's any given Sunday you can lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's go back and look at the previous playoffs. No one thought, oh gosh, I have to say this, the Titans ugh, would have beaten the Patriots 
and most importantly, beat the number one seed with the MVP of the league the way that they did. So it can happen. It's how we perform is most important. What I need from this team this year is consistency. It may feel like I'm double-talking to say I'm okay with just being good, but we have those peaks and valleys. And it was mentioned earlier, you know, some bad teams we don't show up for, um, those I can't have. So, really, I need this offense definitely to be consistent. I need the defense to be average. I put that on O'Brien because if you're letting your coordinators coordinate as a head coach, now you truly can focus on being a head coach, which is managing the team. Um, your second part of your question, what would it take for me to get rid of him? I can tell you, number one, if he touches D4, that's it. <laughs> so that's number one. <laughs> I, I, I mean – there's no, there is no coming back, period. Um, so that's number one. Number two, the same type of issues we have with the consistency leadership. Somehow you're going to have – because every team has it. I don't care who you are. There are those games where you, you don't understand why your team is not performing or things are happening. I need him to step up with his leadership. So – to me, if I see another 24-point lead blown or you're going into – well, you're not going to the Ravens this year, but I'm just saying that type of game where 41 – I don't know what the damn – what we had. I think I think seven points, ten points, whatever it was. I can't have blowout games like that against a top-tier team. So those are the type of things that would make me want to get rid of him because, to me, that means your guys – aren't prepared. Not saying they're not playing for you, but somehow there's a disconnect between what you do during the week in preparation and the execution on a Sunday or whatever day of the week it is. Okay. And I'll use a perfect example, and y'all understand it because we all pretty much watched The Last Dance. I'm a, I'm a Bulls fan. I am a Lakers fan, but I'm a Bulls fan. At this point, O'Brien is Doug Collins to me. I need to know if he can be Phil Jackson or if we need to get a Phil Jackson in. So that's where he is with me. You can get me to a certain point, but somehow you can't get your top players to get you over the top, and you have the talent to do it. So that's that's me. Okay, fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, we have other questions for you once we stop recording, but uh, Jules and I will get to that once the uh, once the podcast is over. Uh, Gregory. Uh, <laughs> what would it take for um, you to want to keep Bill O'Brien, and what would it take for you to want to fire Bill O'Brien? Hmm. Honestly, I think for me, I mean, obviously, if you perform with the playoff, make the championship game, you deserve to keep your job. However, one that I mentioned again is reading the room. We don't need no any now he knows that the media's gonna be on top of him. I don't care about him arguing with the fans at the Denver game. I don't care about him being upset at the draft because Detroit pulled out of the trade. I don't care about that. I do care, however, if he has another statement, I don't care what player it is. Bring up an Aaron Hernandez, crying about baby mamas, crying about anything that has nothing to do with the performance on the field, 
anything that you know, I don't care if he has any adult instances again. Then I'm I'm, I'm out because we are dealing with a lot of this country as he is. We are dealing with these kind of stereotypes. And the last thing O'Brien, I want O'Brien to do is to prove the people that says, oh, yeah, he is this big and he's doing this. He's getting rid of Hopkins, but he is saying yes to the man. Uh, I don't want, if he perpetuates any of those stereotypes that are unfairly placed against him, in my opinion, he, he, he perpetuates it, he got to go. Because maybe maybe what they're saying is true. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's where I'm at on getting rid of him. And against keeping him, players compete, make the playoffs, make the championship game. Then that's you keep going, whatever you know, because mainly because again, this is this year is a little bit different than most years because everything's going on, and plus you have new coordinators, you got new everything, mm-hmm. you got to kind of give a little time to get it together. But no more Aaron Hernandez type comments because I'm I'm out on that, I'm done with that. Okay, all right, Joe, uh, I will unmute you or go ahead and unmute yourself. Uh, Joe, what what would it take for you to keep Bill O'Brien, and what would it take for you to fire Bill O'Brien? Well, to fire him, I think it would just be a repeat of the same. You know, getting into the playoffs, not looking like you're you're ready for the prime time, and getting and, and, and getting bounced again. Getting, not just getting bounced, he's getting embarrassed. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think I think the fan base is just we're just tired of that embarrassment. Like, man, come on, man. You know what I mean? Like. It just seems like every time you see that historical number pop up on the broadcast, like it's us. You know, no running back has ever broken this many yards and during this time or this many points has scored this many quarters. You know what I mean? It just seems like it always happens to us. Like, why us? We always, we never breaking the record. We always getting the ones broken on us. Just these embarrassing records, right? So it's just, it's just those type of things. Like, don't get embarrassed again. Be ready to compete. And for, for for me to keep him, it's just you just got to show you just got to show the like we we keep like we talked about and during the the podcast the vision it needs to be executed flawlessly like we need to see the progress you, you know we got rid of D Hop Brian Cooks we done this we got David Johnson now how are we gonna use him we gonna we gonna bang David Johnson between the tackles for two yard games man it just can't happen we did that to Lamar Miller. So we need to, you know, you be effective in our offense, be effective in the defense, and just and I, I don't know how I, you know I really don't know how to put my like you know how to say it. just like when you know you know this is a team that's ready and you just see it, you know what I mean? And I think that's what we need to see for us to say, yeah, you know what? I think Bill O'Brien has a vision, he's executing it, and he needs one more shot. But honestly, like you said, uh, James. It's Super Bowl of buzz, baby. It's like it's got to happen. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And even if you you come up short, hey man, you come up short by a field goal or something. You know, you competed all the way through. Not, hey, I'm gonna punt it here down 17 or down 20 in the fourth quarter because my coach is packing it in because you know we can't compete. Nah, man, it just can't happen like that no more. It's all in or not. You know what I mean? Yep. Nope. I agree. I agree. Uh, all right, Jules. Uh, what will it take for you to want to keep Bill O'Brien, and what will it take for you to fire Bill O'Brien? The last, the latter question should be pretty easy for you. Yeah, I'm gonna start with the firing. Any day ending in Y or the wind change, and Bill O'Brien can go for me. <laughs> to keep Bill O'Brien, and I'm, I may, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get off the fence a little bit. 
LFC championship, championship game would be nice, but I want to see them their offense, which he is known for, be consistent through the 16 games of the regular season, so no duds. And if we make the playoffs and we lose our playoff game, I want to be different from the last three, four when we get blown out. Like Joe says, I want to go down to the wire, the better team beats you, and they have to give a hell of a high effort to beat you. I don't want them to be up by 25 points and they cruise the rest of the fourth quarter because we didn't compete down, down the fourth quarter because we were already out of it. So I need, to, I need him to show this team can compete. And like Swan says, she said that it's, it's, it's a disconnect between the players playing for him and how, to, how, and how the product looks on the field. They can play for his men all they want to. But if it looks disorganized or it doesn't look they cohesive on the field, it doesn't matter. So I want to see a consistent offense, a consistent team through the whole 16 games, and I want to see a fight. I want, I want a team, if they're going to go to playoffs and a team beats the Texans, I want them to know they was in a fight with the Texans for 60 minutes. I want that Tom Brady when Brock Osweiler and, Jav- and, and Clowney mm. was in, 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 in New England saying, man, that was a hard-fought game. That's what I want to hear a team say about my Texans. Not, oh, man, in third quarter, we knew we had them. We, 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 we had them. We, we didn't break a sweat. We, we put our second players in the fourth quarter. I don't want to say that. That's what takes me to keep them. Okay. Okay. Uh, for me to keep Bill O'Brien, uh, he needs to win us a Super Bowl this year. It's that simple. Uh, I think it would send a clear message to the fans and to the organization that, and just to the city that this is the expectation moving forward. And if that's not how you're going to perform, then I would be okay with firing Bill O'Brien, the head coach. I would still retain Bill O'Brien, the general manager and I would keep him, and I would find another head coach. That's just me. That's what I would do. Um, that's what I would do. Uh, for for me to um, keep Bill O'Brien, he needs to win me a Super Bowl. So those are, those, are, those are, it's pretty simple for me. All right, last question before we get out of here, and I can't tell you guys how much I appreciate this. This one wasn't on the docket, but um, I want to hear uh, you guys' thoughts. Who is the player on this team that is going to break out and become a household name in, in, in for the NFL this season on this Texans team, Swan. Oh, that's not fair. Why? Uh, <laughs> well, to me, I, I feel like many have forgotten about Deshaun. I mean, he's kind of like, yeah, he's good, but he's kind of an afterthought. So minus Deshaun, who will be a breakout? If you have more than one, that's fine. Just keep it at two at least. No, I'm just saying. I... Okay, so I'll say Will Fuller. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. Greg, uh, who will be that player for you this season? Yeah, he's not my pick right now, but I do believe that we've all been disrespecting Deshaun Watson a little bit. Us, the media, everybody, because we act like he's a victim. He's not a victim. He got this. Even if the, the move was a popular. Anyways, as far as I want to break out, uh, personally, I'm going to root for that V kid. 
that we got. He does, he does like the computer science major thing. He had an interview with Blizzard. I hope he shows out okay. personally. That's the first of favorites. He's became one of my favorites so far. So I'll I'll pick him, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw another person. I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw in Lonnie Johnson because I think I was hard on him. I probably was too hard on him personally. So I'll throw his name in as well as those two break out. Okay, awesome, Joe. Who are your uh, your breakout? Uh, one or two, however many, or one or two, just no more than two uh, for the Texans this so year. More than two. Uh, Conley. That dude's sticky, man. Sticky, icky. That dude is sticky, icky, icky. So I agree. He's, he's, he's going to redeem himself from them Raider years. Mm. He's going to be QB. I mean, he's going to be, uh, I'm sorry, cornerback one. You know what I'm saying? Roby's going to be an afterthought. That dude is that dude's something special, man. When, when you're playing press, man, he's special. So I think him, he'll become a household name. And you said only one name. You know how I feel about that tight end group about Thomas. But since I think Aikens is probably going to win the snap battle, I think Aikens may. How dare you separate. take both of mine? But <laughs> God damn it! I want it to be Thomas, but because I think Thomas is a, is a freak. But it's probably going to be Aikens because he's going to win the snap battle. But uh, he may separate himself from the pack. Okay. And uh, become something special on that tight end. It, it, I think it's just t- it, it, the tight end group is due for one man. You know what I mean? Because like they never get no love. I agree. Like we gotta we gotta have one guy who's just tearing it up. So I'm hoping for one of those guys. Okay, fair. Jules, who will be your two players? Um, he took my first one, Conley, and I don't think for the redemption from the the, the writer years. I think. The fact that they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, I think that he knows he's a better cornerback than people give him credit for. The fact that he has a, another chip on his shoulder. And the cat can play. If you watch his tapes, his high, I mean, his high school tapes, you watch his college tapes, you watch his all-22 tapes, the cat can play. And I just think, and I'm going to give Bill O'Brien some credit. I know it's going to be earth-shattering. But I think him not taking his fisher option is a – I want to see you prove it to me because I want you. I've been wanting you since you came out of college. Mm-hmm. I wanted you two years ago when, when, when the Raiders wouldn't trade for you. I, I gave a third-round pick when most teams were giving fifth and fourth because I want you. And you're going to have a whole full season, a full season with our coaching, with our team, with our scheme. And I still don't pick up your fifth option because I want to see what you can do. And I think he is the future of the cornerback situation, the cornerback room, if he can get together. I think Lion Johnson still is going to be a safety one day, but he is my guy on offense. Keep going, keep going, Jules. Oh wait, are you done? Are you done talking about Conley? <laughs> Oh, okay. right, oh man, I could, I could go on and on about Conley. I just think that no, I agree. he was probably I agree. the best cornerback coming out of Ohio State before him and after him as what he could do. Yep. Nope. You don't. You. And I just don't understand. And I wanted him when when, uh, when Texas was drafted. I believe they already picked above him. Yep. And we couldn't get him. I want him then. Yep. And. I'm going to go because I'm, I'm, we all get excited. But I'm going to go with the, 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 the tight end guy that was drafted third round because I want to believe that Bill O'Brien knows what he's doing. 
So I'm going to give Kai Waring a shout-out. Oh, God. You know how I think about Ekans. You know I think Ekans is the better tight end of everybody in the tight end room. But for me to be more comfortable Bill O'Brien the GM, I have to go with Kai Waring because I didn't see the purpose of drafting a, a tight end with your third-round pick when you had signed fails and you have the Jordan brothers. So for me to give Bill O'Brien a more of a chance – I want to see Tyree Waring play. Okay, so fair. that's my breakout person. Fair. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take all of I'm gonna take all of the credit for all the love that Conley is getting over the last um, a couple weeks. I, I'm I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get shirts made called the Conley Crew, and um, because I, I I agree, I, I, Bill O'Brien has wanted Conley. Uh, yeah, I think he visited with him three times in that uh, during that draft. Uh, he's always been rumored to uh, to be coming to the Texans via trade once Gruden came. Uh, it was last season as well, or prior to last season, there were talks. Um, you're right. I think the fifth-year option thing is a motivation factor. I don't think it's anything else. I think it's more of we will get a deal done in the mid in the middle of the season if you can show us that exactly what we saw last year and even more. And I think he'll meet those expectations. I don't think people realize how good Gary and Conley actually is. I, I really don't. I, I, they think Roby is a better cornerback because he had three interceptions and one of them was a pick six and they look at the flashy plays and assume that. But when you have 13 PBUs in a season, I don't know what else you want to see. Jonathan Joseph only had 13 PBUs in his entire career one season. So um, I think Aaron Conley. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, Jordan Akins is the tight end for me. Um, I think he's going to have a Travis Kelsey type year next year. And I, I really think that he's something special. If Kahali can't get on the field, it won't tell me more really about Bill O'Brien, the general manager. I think you have to pay, you have to play the players that produce. You really can't risk putting out a player just because you're of where he was taken in the draft. A lot of GMs and head coaches put themselves in a bad position when they look at where a player was drafted instead of the actual production from said player. Um, but I'll say this. I wouldn't be surprised if Kahali and Jordan are the are 1A, 1B, and I'd be totally fine with that as well. So um, that's my thoughts is uh, Jordan Akins and Gary and Conley. Uh, I want to thank all of you for um, – just coming on here and giving me your perspective. This is this was actually a great conversation. This is going to be a great article. Uh, I like that we had different, differentiating opinions. I actually thought Joe was going to come with some heat and some hate, but he woke up on the good side of the bed today, so we didn't get that emotional Joe that we expected. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, one year old, that's what a one-year-old do to you, James. Where you out, man. I know, bro. Trust me. I've been there. I've been there. Um, I won't be there again, though, but I've been there. Um and Swan, thank you for coming on. Greg, thank you for coming on. Joe, thanks for coming on. And Jules, always, thanks for coming on, guys. We will uh, put this article out sometime this week, and that'll be it. And this is Jen, uh, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week.